Hello and welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast, a safe space where nobody is telling anyone to trade Max Scherzer for some reason. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I'm the supposed revocable trade waivers expert for the next few days. Joining me later on this podcast to look ahead to the Philly series is Liz Rocher from The Good Fight and Yahoo Sports. But first, we're going to recap the Marlin series. Uh, it looked pretty positive on Friday. Max Scherzer had a great outing. And... Uh, obviously, with the Marlins being the way they are, things look good, and they could have taken a nice series win, maybe even a series sweep, but then followed by two devastating losses for two different reasons. Obviously, the the extra inning loss on Saturday that the bullpen gave up runs late, and then we also had the just embarrassing game on Sunday where nothing seemed to go right. They The Nationals were pulling starters in the seventh, eighth inning, and it was just thoroughly miserable. To, to watch and it it really was one of those games where there was a, a lot of effort to watch there was booing in the stands for Gio and Bryce Harper when he made that error in center field um so yeah the the sooner we can put that one behind us the better in terms of player of the series um we talked about it on the lo- last podcast about how Adam Eaton had been struggling and his swing looked a little bit off he was peeling off a little bit early but he had a great series went six for ten uh had a Game tire in Saturday's game, obviously. Bottom of the ninth, one run down, hit the home run off Steckenrider. And then he had that great catch early on on Sunday, and things looked good for a minute. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we won't talk about the rest of Sunday's game. And Definitely positive to see Eaton doing so well. He'd been slumping coming into it, hitting under 200 for the last 15-odd uh, days, I think. So having him there uh, and kind of intertwining with Soto I say slumping in the lightest possible sense. He went two for ten in the series, which two hundred isn't isn't terrible for a rookie, uh, I guess. But for so by Soto standards, it's pretty poor. And I think he had three walks on Sunday, uh, three maybe two, um, but kind of one seventy four over his last fifteen days. And people can see he needs a day off. And I think Byron Kerr reported uh, that David Martinez didn't want to give him a day off until September call ups, which seems bizarre when you've got Michael A. Taylor, who obviously you don't want it Taylor starting a lot of games, but you can fill him in once or twice a week, get someone a rest, get Soto a rest, get Eaton a rest, um, put him in center field where he'll play great defense, even if he doesn't hit that fantastically. Um, so that seemed a bit bizarre, especially for Soto, who definitely does need a rest, given how he's playing at the moment. It's The plate discipline's still there. He's still drawing his walks, but I don't know, he's he's looking at a lot of pitches that are nibbling and I don't know if umpires have taken into account kind of how he's been around the plate and uh, trying to show up some of the umpires by saying that's a ball and all that other stuff that we saw um, notably in the Brave series. But I don't know, it's, it's a weird one. I don't think he's the type of player to go into prolonged slumps given his plate discipline. He'll start, um, he'll start getting that strike zone back and getting those opposite field hits that we know him so well for. Also staying, well, not also staying hot, staying hot in his own right, Matt Wheaters, when uh, it's 7 for 19 his last seven days, hit a home run, four RBI. Again, a, a little bit too little too late for Matt Wheaters, but like I said, uh, 
said before, better late than never, I guess. It's better that he's hitting now than just still hitting at his usual 200. And I talked about this in one of my recent article, articles where he's really shortened up his swing, um, kind of dropped his hands down a little bit, getting to the ball a bit quicker. And the results are paying off, hitting over 300 uh, recently. So that's good to see. He still needs a proper partner as much as I like Spencer Keyboom and he had a fantastic day on Saturday defensively. Might have been Sunday. Um, he had a fantastic game defensively over the weekend. Uh, he seems a very average at everything, but not exceptional at one thing. He'll probably plan out about a 240 hitter maybe at best um, and play solid defense without doing anything eye-popping in terms of uh, defense. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it plays out the rest of the season. It would be nice to see Matt Wheaters keep hitting. Maybe the Nats do bring him back on a, a really cheap deal to be kind of their second catcher rather than their primary catcher. He he could make, a, at the very worst, a Jose Lobatone-type catcher who did a fantastic job for the Nats, albeit a lot cheaper than Matt Wheaters may cost. But uh, having some nice defense, he knows the pitching staff, and then if you get some offense from him, that's fantastic. So... Maybe go in a one deal, one year cheap deal for Matt Wheaters and see what you get out of him. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the pitching was interesting to say the least. Gio Gonzalez, uh, you wonder if his days may be numbered in a Nats uniform. Four and two thirds innings, 10 hits, eight runs, four walks, five strikeouts. It was a pretty ugly line. There was an interesting point uh, early on in the game where David Martinez let Gio hit for himself, even though he was clearly getting smacked about um they put tommy malone in later on who went four innings but uh it would have been interesting to see geo get pulled sooner to see if they can still salvage the game obviously uh by the time he was out there for the fifth inning the game was well out of hand with those eight runs going um but he's got a i think he had a 2.1 era at some point in june and then since then it's just ballooned to well over six uh and it, it's a shame to see for Gio, for someone who's been so good for this franchise for so long, uh, seeing him go this way. He had he had the bad year in 2016, bounced back last year, albeit the peripherals weren't there. It still would have been nice to see him have a solid year after being the ace in 2012, practically, and still being a solid number two until Max Scherzer arrived. So it feels like a sour end, and even if... Uh, it probably is his last year in a Nats uniform. It would be nice to give him a good send-off for being such a great servant for, uh, what was it, six, seven years now. Um, but yeah, it's it's ending on a sour note, and he could even get bumped from the rotation in September when you've got the likes of Feddy back. They might want to get a long look at Jeffrey Rodriguez, maybe have Austin both have a start. Um, so you could put him in the bullpen and see those young arms rather than trying to push Gio forward, I guess. Uh, one of those young arms, Jeffrey Rodriguez, looked pretty solid. He wasn't fantastic like he was against the Braves. He definitely needs to face the Braves every single start, which he's, uh, I think he's only given up one run against them. But five innings, five hits, three walks, two runs, three strikeouts. He mixed in his change up a bit later, which was good to see. But maybe get it used early on so you can still go back to your bread and butter fastball and curveball later on. Um but they're kind of giving them the Jeremy Hellickson type treatment where they're only letting him go two times through the lineup and then first sign of trouble, first sign of trouble, third time through. 
you start pulling him out. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see replace Tommy Malone. I think Jeffrey Rodriguez is more likely to give you better outings. We saw Tommy Malone start off well against the Marlins and Mets, but ever since then, he's been pretty poor. Um, kind of highlighted by his relief appearance, four innings, four earned, six hits. He's been very hittable. He doesn't walk a lot, but he's given up 10 hits twice. So he's not going to be a solution in the rotation, whereas Jeffrey Rodriguez could be. If he can start getting that change up going, like I said, uh, you might be able to get a nice starter out of him. So we'll see how that goes. And even worst case scenario for Jeffrey Rodriguez, you can put him in the bullpen, get that fastball way up to, say, 98 out of the bullpen, get a devastating curveball that he has, and you have a fantastic bullpen arm. Leaning on to the bullpen, I'm getting good at this now. Uh, there were a couple bullpen implosions, notably on Saturday when Justin Miller came in, gave up a, a go-ahead home run to JT Riddle. Um, that was a, a fun person to talk about this series for the Marlins, but not so much for the Nats. Uh, it was a big home run, and Miller continues to give up runs, and his ERA is kind of... Uh, creeping towards four after his unreal start, which is a bit worrying. But then obviously in the 10th inning, Coda Glover, one inning, three hits, two earned. And one of the talking points from the game was the, them walking JT Riddle to get to Isaac Galloway. They didn't score in the ninth, so in the end, the walk didn't come back to, to haunt them if they'd have scored one, and then it would have, but uh, we don't need to worry about that. And I wonder whether Greg Holland is worth being uh being the closer for now at, at least until some of the other nats bullpen options get healthy in uh five and a third innings he's given up just four hits one walk no earned runs six strikeouts he did give up uh, a couple runs on sunday when he came in to relieve for Gio gonzalez but he, i think he came in with the bases loaded so you can uh you can forgive him for that but he's been solid enough he's got closing experience obviously you would hope for a little better maybe a few more strikeouts for someone who's got such a big pedigree uh for that but at the very least until Doolittle and uh potentially Herrera if he can find this form again it's worth potentially giving Greg Holland a look as uh a look as the closer with some nice stats since he's come to DC speaking of Herrera he is set to rejoin the team this week against the Phillies he threw a sim game on Saturday uh he shouldn't need any uh, any rehab outings. He should just be able to come back. I think he's only been on the DL for about 10, 12 days. So that would be nice. Uh, whether they thrust him straight back into the closer's role is another matter, given how uh, sketchy he was. He all, Even when he got the saves, he seemed to always have an adventure in the ninth inning. So it might be worth easing him back in. Maybe if the, <laughs> the Phillies take the first game or two, you might chuck him in, uh, in mop-up duty just to get him loose. Uh, and obviously, he hasn't quite been the reliever that we've all hoped for so far this year. So it would be nice to see him get back to that stature. Um, and you wonder whether they may try and, they may try and put him through revocable waivers um, just to end the season. They've been doing it to a lot of players. There's no point reading too much into it. I think the Nats put Bryce Harper on four out of the last five years. So it's nothing to get too worked up about, but they may just kind of see what the market is for him. And if not, pull him back, no harm done. You're not going to get a lot for some of these waiver guys at this point in the season. So joining me now on the podcast to look ahead to the National Series with the Phillies uh, from the good fight and Yahoo Sports is Liz Rocher. How are you doing, Liz? I'm doing great. How are you? 
we're doing all right. We've both come off our uh, respective series that we just talked about, and uh, we're not feeling too great collectively. <laughs> no, not not really. Being beat by the basement of the NL East is uh, embarrassing. <laughs> uh, embarrassing. So, so far, obviously, the Nationals trying to chase down the Phillies. Phillies 68 and 56, six and a half games ahead of the Nationals in the NL East and the wildcard standings. Uh, as we touched on then against the Mets, it was a strange five-game series. You don't see them often with the makeup game on Thursday. They should be outlawed and banned forever. You should only do five-game series in the playoffs because otherwise it's too many. I'm tired. Like, I'm tired of the Mets after three games. They play a lot of four-game series, it feels like, and I'm like four games, I'm tired of them. Five games, I hate them all more than I've ever hated anything ever in my life. They are it, it's intolerable to play one team for that long when it means nothing. Yeah, it's, I mean it means something, but it's like it as opposed to the playoffs, you could take playing one team that long when it's the middle, you know, the, the latter half of the season. It's like this is all for nothing. Oh, yeah, I wonder if the five game set kind of played into the less than ideal result, just teams getting too used to each other and. For everyone knowing what they had ahead of them, they were going to have to see the Mets' stupid faces for five games. <laughs> they just they weren't into it from the start, and I, I I can't blame them. I think the only thing that would have been worse is if every game was on ESPN and they were talking about uh, no Adubal oh. Pereira's var- various batting stances, some of the uh, I don't know something oh. about Noah Syndergaard and his various diseases. I. It, for the most part, I liked the the Little League Classic broadcast, mm. but I, I I was wondering if that kid had won a played like he was the child of one of someone who worked for ESPN. They had this kid on at one point, and they were just trying to uh, he was mimic, mimicking Odubel Herrera's you know batting stance and what he's doing when he's setting up, and they stayed on him for the entire at bat in split screen. I'm like, why is this happening to me? What did any of us do to deserve this? Like, stay on the kid for 10 seconds so you can see it. And after that, everyone gets it. <laughs> everyone understands what's happening. You can move on. That was that was so... Ugh. Like, the announcers, why did the announcers make everything worse? Mm. Uh, so in that five-game series, the Mets uh, dropped the Phillies in the first game, 24-4. to Scott Kingry made a interesting pitching appearance. Reese Hoskins <laughs> then hit a... Three-run home run in the second half of the doubleheader to snatch that one. Aaron Nola in- enhanced his NL Cy Young case on Friday, and then Jacob deGrom did the same on Saturday. And then, as Liz touched on, the Little League Classic Series, which was I thought it was really cool, and uh, especially the Mets sitting in the stand. Um, kind of, although the focus wasn't on the baseball, that's not how it was intended for that game, I guess. Yeah, it was. It was cool. Everyone liked hanging out with the kids. Because you know they're they're baseball kids. They're you know they do the same things that they do every day, but they do it you know for fun at night and on weekends. So it was so cool to see them have fun with the kids. And like Nick Pavetta had like the whole Canadian. He's from Canada, and so the whole Team Canada that was like his personal cheering section. They um, I know that Hector Neris had a good time with um, I think Team. That's a team Panama trainer. There's a video that Cespedes Barbecue um, tweeted at one point of of Hector Neris like greeting warmly a kid who was running by a giant enormous child. 
Yeah, um, didn't Reese Hoskins hang out with uh, Big Al? Big Al. <laughs> oh man, that was great. They, I mean, Reese Hoskins when he speaks, he has a much deeper voice than you'd expect. Uh, deeper and slower, and so he sounds weirdly. It's like he talks in the same timbre as Big Al does. It was, it was quite the uh, experience to see them together. <laughs> and it kind of detracted from. Uh, the poor performance. The Phillies have been a bit of a strange team lately. They, they, I can't remember what they did. I know they snatched one against the Red Sox and then uh, obviously that big 24 to 4 loss. So, how has it been going for the Phillies lately from the outside? Like I said, it looks a bit iffy. They've been kind of schizophrenic, like because they, they went toe to toe with the Red Sox um, for the whole, I think it was two and two, the home and home series, I think is maybe what they don't call it anymore. But, um, they, for both of those games, you know, that they won and lost, they kept it close the whole time. And only in the last game were they able to pull ahead by more than like one or two runs. It was, I mean, it was good baseball. The pitching was good and hitting sucked. <laughs> That's, that is what uh, baseball is these days, at least for the Phillies and for a number of other teams. The pitching is good. The hitting sucks. Uh, and it just, for some reason, the Mets just always kill the Phillies. It, it's always going to happen. It's like you have to almost chalk up every series to a majority loss when you're doing your season projections. I think that's how we we used to feel about the, uh, was it? I think it might have been the Phillies, who even when they were young and rebuilding, they were always kind of pesky. Yeah, for those years when the Phillies were good, they annihilated the Nats. Because the Nats were just mm. not very good at that point. It was 2012, actually, that year that – yeah, it was 2012 because uh, Jason Worth joined in 2011. And in 2012, Bryce Harper debuted. Was that 2012? Yeah. And, like, that's exactly when their trajectory went upward and the Phillies went plummeting downward. It's actually been kind of a good – the two teams haven't been good at the same time. And I kind of want the Phillies to get better and the Nationals to be the – not whatever it is they are this year uh, – to be the Nationals that we remember and for them to be like sort of the same caliber and have great series. Like because the, the Phillies and the – like the entire NL East was pretty bad when the, the Phillies were good. It would have been nice to get a real – have a real competition. Yeah, I think that well, this series is definitely shaping up to be yeah. quite a series with some of the pitching matchups that we get. Um, so, who are some of the players that we should be watching out for this series? Uh, Wilson Ramos just joined the team, uh, and when he had a good first couple games, he hasn't had a great next few games. But Wilson Ramos, uh, I feel like players who used to play on the team that they're you know they're facing that night. I feel like they have an extra incentive to do well. So I think you should, everyone should watch out for Wilson Ramos and Reese Hoskins. He could be getting hot. It could happen. I did see that Ramos hit a triple. Was it in his debut? He did. Yes. I think it was his <laughs> debut. It was, it, it was a sight to behold. He, he looked so happy to be on the Phillies and not on the Rays anymore. He looked so happy. Yeah, I think we were all really disappointed that we didn't go out and get him when um, the learners came out and said, we just can't give up on this team, didn't add anything, when it was like you could have got Wilson Ramos for next to nothing. I don't know if the player it's to be nothing. named later has been announced yet. No, has it? I'm not sure. Um, but 
I don't think the Nationals could have gone out to get JT Real Muto. Well, not for the. I don't know. The Marlins seem to have a low asking price on everyone except Real Muto. Like you got Justin Bohr for not too much. Yeah, those those were some. Yeah, Justin Bohr is someone that you could watch out for if he manages to get any playing time. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think the Nats are sending three right-handers. How's that playing out with Carlos Santana? He has not been very good this year. He's walked a lot. He's very patient. I think he's been a big influence on Michael Franco, helping him figure out some of what's been plaguing him, not just, you know, last year, but the year before and even earlier this season. So that that in and of itself is a benefit. But overall, he's been he's just been not good. He hasn't been able to get hot at any point. Um, he had like middle of the season, he showed some power. He hasn't really showed anything. It's just been a lack of consistency because he's a better player than this. And I don't think the Phillies are going to give up on him. I'm certainly not. But, you know, right now we're paying him to walk. And that's fine. Walking is great. But I'd like for him, I would also like for the Phillies to pay for him to hit as well <laughs> and not screw up at first base. He is he has been a defensive liability this year at first base that has been completely unexpected. And it's been unpleasant i remember i remember the old days when he was a he was a catcher yeah i believe now yeah i mean i feel like he's probably the phillies emergency catcher and you know lord knows they might need one of those before the end of the year but like i I, there's just no way like there's been no talk of him even looking at catcher's gear for years (laughs) uh i think for me what's going to be quite interesting to watch is obviously the phillies have sir anthony dominguez locking down the night didn't him but of the bridge there and it's where the nationals have managed to pounce on the phillies earlier this season like in the the big comeback game on sunday night baseball where they beat up on i think it was tommy hunter primarily mm-hmm. uh so who's going to bridge that gap well pat neshek is back and that is a really good thing pat neshek is for the most part just almost unhittable he's really good he's he's very consistent and then it could be anyone else like the Sir Anthony Dominguez has taken the ninth by default almost because he hasn't been quite as good lately. Like they want to put him in the ninth and put him in a big situation and have him get the confidence back. But he's, you know, this is his first full season as a reliever, I believe. Um, he's throwing fast. You know, he can, you know, I wish they would stretch him out a little bit more like they had at the beginning of the season. I think it could be beneficial to him other than just pitching one inning at a time. Um, but yeah, beyond that, it could be anyone. Adam Morgan has, you know, pitched the seventh and eighth and has stunk in various at various times. Tommy Hunter has had a, a stretch of being good and then just sticks in some putrid outings every now and then. Uh, he, I called him a steaming pile of garbage on Twitter, which is right about the time he started to do well and make me look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting to retract it, I'm guessing. Until he gets good again, until he uh, starts doing badly again, <laughs> I guess. But that's always how these things work. You go, right, I'm going to write a piece on so-and-so. They're not doing very well. Oh, look, they've gotten hot. How yeah. Uh, so which nationals are you particularly keen to see in this series? I want to see good Bryce Harper again. I want to see good Bryce Harper take on the best the Phillies have to offer. It was, it, I mean, it was fun earlier this season when he was bad at least for me personally, like it, it wasn't fun watching him be bad. Cause I love Bryce Harper. Um, I would, 
seeing him do badly, it wasn't that the Phillies, like the Phillies pitchers were beating him, but he was also beating himself for much of the season. Whatever was happening, he was in his own head the whole time. I would like to see him, I'd like to see the Phillies pitchers genuinely beat him. Uh, think. Who else? Who else should I be looking out for? I was going to quickly ask, do you think the Phillies are going to make a legitimate play at Harper or do you think they're perhaps going to focus their attentions on Machado, who I know they have interest in? I think they're going to do both. Both? I, I think they'll legitimately try to sign both of them because there's no guarantee either of them will sign with the Phillies, especially since some people think that Bryce Harper is going to stay in, in D.C. I think right, right now the Nationals are favorite, but... Uh, I think the Phillies are tempting because of all that young talent that's still coming through. That young rotation is going to be great for a few years. So it might tempt him whether he wants to go to Philly or not is another matter. Whether he wants to kind of move away from the NL East after spending so long is another matter. Um, I don't know. I, I guess the way that JP Crawford has panned out, maybe Machado should be a focus. I don't disagree. I mean, I I think what they they would put him at, and I guess this season they put him at third. He's not going to sign with the team unless they let him play as shortstop. I think. I wouldn't disagree. I love JP Crawford. I think he need. I think he deserves a chance at shortstop. But if you have the chance to sign Manny Machado, you don't say no. Mm. You figure it out. You know, as much as I love JP Crawford, I don't know if he's worth missing out on. Manny Machado. I mean, here's the thing. If you can get him to sign with you, then you could put him a third, <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say as someone who is incredibly pro-labor, pro-player. You know, a, you know, a player shouldn't be forced to play somewhere he doesn't want to. But, you know, once he's signed, what's he going to do? <laughs> I have a bad feeling someone's going to do that. Maybe the Yankees are going to do that somehow. Where are they going to put him? Where are they putting <laughs> Both Machado and Harper are going to play for them. That's the thing. They're too many good players. What are they going to do? I don't think Harper's going to the Yankees. It'll be Machado potentially going to play third, but we've kind of <laughs> deviated a little bit. Yeah, so um, sorry. <laughs> uh, for the Nationals, I, I think I'm quite keen to see how our bullpen's going to be playing out. Obviously, we talked about the Phillies bridging the Dominguez. The, heart, the, the Nationals are kind of bridging the nobody at the moment. They've got. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> They've got Coda Glover in the ninth. Um, I think he blew his only save opportunity and uh, blew a tie, tie game against the Cardinals. We might get Kelvin Herrera back for a 15-pitch simulated game on Saturday, although he hasn't been fantastic. So the, the old Nets bullpen is back by the look of it. Yeah. I, uh, I don't want to laugh because it's mean. <laughs> and I know how it feels. <laughs> I know how this feels. We're all, I think most Nationals fans are kind of immune to it now. We're used to it. Yeah, I mean, well, it usually this happens to you much later in the season. <laughs> At least now, make you can make your peace with it. I've, I've been where you are. <laughs> I know how you feel. <laughs> and as much as I hate your team, I have no ill will toward any individual Nationals player. So <laughs> I, know, I know many on Twitter, and they're all nice people. I, I went to college in D.C., and the Nationals came in while I was there. And it's nice to see a city who really didn't like or care about the Nationals when they came in sort of slowly change their minds. Hmm. Uh, so now we're going to look ahead to each pitching matchup individually. Obviously, we've got some pretty good ones. Uh, starting off on Tuesday at 7.05 p.m. Eastern, Tanner Ark face off against Vince Velasquez. Tanner Ark, 8-12 with a 4-1-3 ERA. Vince Velasquez, 
eight and nine with a four one three RA. And it feels like Vince Velasquez has been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde pitch. You either get a quality start or he gets absolutely whacked. Yeah, I would love for that to happen less. Um, but that is indeed kind of what has happened lately. He has the potential to be a really good pitcher, and he has been a brilliant pitcher at points this season. Um, he just lacks consistency. And some of that, he's got control issues. Sometimes he can't find the strike zone. He's re he loves striking guys out. You know, he, he loves throwing strikes. But, you know, a lot of Phillies pitchers get, I don't know what it is, they get nervous when they get to 0-2. Or even when they have two strikes, they want to, you know, they want to have the guy chase instead of challenging him, like right in the zone. So I would like Vince Velasquez is really guilty of that, uh, and that's where his mistakes come. So I would like, I'd like to see Vince Velasquez find a, a better rhythm for this next start. I can't remember if it was this season where he he had a no hitter through five innings, but he had about five walks against night. <laughs> yes, I don't remember if that was this season. Either it might have been much earlier this season. It was it was quite the start though. Uh, and obviously Tanner Roark uh, had a bit of a down spell earlier this season, but in his last five games, he's five and zero with a one seven seven ERA, twenty eight strikeouts to just five walks. So hopefully he can continue dominating. And it it looks like it's going to hinge on Velasquez. You might get exactly what you know from Tanner Roark, but if you see good Velasquez, the Phillies might be able to squeak it out. You get bad Velasquez, then the Nash could, Nationals could cruise home. How do you see this one going? Well, it, it depends on the Phillies' bats, more or less. If Velasquez, I say if every Phillies pitcher can keep it around four runs, the, a good offense should be able to serve that much or more. Um, the Phillies' offense has not been able to do that, and Vince Velasquez is not a guy. If he's off, four runs is what will be on the board by the – third inning i i am always so afraid to predict i don't know if i see it going the best yeah i think i i would go with the nationals i think we're probably more likely to see bad velasquez the nats offense has kind of been getting a bit more consistent lately and scoring some runs so hopefully they can take advantage of velasquez and obviously tanner arc's been the good tanner arc we have we haven't seen that uh the same type of picture that Velasquez is where you never quite know. You know which row up you're getting. It's just kind of a season of two halves. So second up on Wednesday at 7.05 p.m. Eastern, we've got Steven Strasburg facing off against Zach Eflin. Strasburg 6-7 with a 3.90 ERA. Eflin 9-4 with a 3.70 ERA. And he looks like he's taken a real step forward this season. I saw that he had a 4.7K per nine before this year, but that spiked all the way up to 8.4. So what's the progress been for Eflin? He's looked really good. The Phillies have new, new, um, a whole new coaching staff this year. Um, Eflin has been injured the past, I think he was injured last year in the last part of 2016. Before that, in his debut, he was really good. He, he, uh, was, if not, you know, completely similar to this type of pitcher. He was, you know, he was. I had always had a lot of faith in him. While a lot of people were huge fans of Nick Pavetta, I have never been a huge Nick Pavetta fan. But you know, I've always been behind Eflin because of his debut, and this year he's really managed to put everything together um, and actually and just be able to show consistency and not get rattled when things go badly. Even the other, even 
when did he last pitch? The last time he pitched, he I know he had like a, a really rough start, but he was able to lock it down. It was that's exactly what you want to see from a young pitcher. Mm. On the other hand, I'm a big fan of Nick Pavetta because the Nationals have never quite forgiven him for being traded for Jonathan Papelbon, and we seem <laughs> beat up on him every time. Uh, you can't take it back. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> no, you can't. That's without a doubt now and until forever will be one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> I won't talk about it more here, but man, I could do a whole, I could do an entire 45 minutes on everything I love about that. <laughs> Uh, on the other hand, uh, Steven Strasburg, his first start from the DL after um, the big incident in uh, at Nats Park against the Braves where him and Scherzer got into it a bit. Uh, but in the past, he's had quite a good ERA in August. He had a 0.86 last year. His only two complete games are in August. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust him first start off the DL. And like you said, Zach Eflin's been doing really well this year. So I think if I was going to predict it, I'd probably go with the the Phillies to put a few runs on Strasbourg. Is that kind of how you see this one going? I would like to think so. Um, I, I wish I, I hadn't thought to look up the, the Phillies history against Steven Strasbourg. My guess is that it's kind of spotty as Strasbourg has been occasionally as a pitcher. Um, I hope that they manage it again. It's so dependent on the offense getting going, but they've had spells where they felt really good against the nationals. And I would like to, <laughs> I like to hope that that would continue. Yeah, especially this season. It's felt like the Nationals have their... They seem to always have their breakout game against the... Or supposedly breakout game against the Phillies when they had that... I think it was the 15-run outburst. They did the comeback on ESPN and then the next few games just fell flat again. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the Phillies are winning the season series. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It, it's a matchup that I could see the Nationals winning, but I'm probably going to predict the Phillies, like I said. I agree. I can agree with both of those things. Uh, and then obviously the the big marquee matchup, it's uh, Tommy Malone v. Nick... No, wait, no. Max Scherzer <laughs> v. Aaron <laughs> on Thursday at 1.05 p.m. Eastern. Max Scherzer 16-5 with a 2-1-1 ERA. Aaron Nola 14-3 with a 2-2-4 ERA. So what are the odds this is going to be 10-9? <laughs> Probably pretty good. <laughs> Always seems to be the way in baseball, but... Uh, both, uh, it's not really a surprise to have Aaron Nola in Cy Young contention. It would have been a surprise before the season, but now he just uh, seems to be getting in a groove. Last 28 days, ERA under two, whip at one, and striking out a batter per nine. Um, what can you say about Nola's development? We always saw in the past he was he was always promising, but never quite quite there. And then obviously this season he's turned it on. He was injured. He's been injured periodically dealing with some back issues. He was fully healthy this year. He had just a short DL stint last year. And when he came off, he had a, a, I think a string of 10 starts or 12 starts where he um, went six innings or more and allowed two runs or less. And that's, we wanted to see that only over a whole season, but no one could ever dare to hope that it would happen. Uh, and then he did it. He's having one of the best pitching seasons in Philly's history. He's having a better pitching season by the numbers, uh, and I think probably on most of the war calculations, than Roy Halladay did in 2010. And that was one of the greatest pitching performances of all time, I think, overall. But you know, he had a perfect game and a no-hitter in there. If you're just looking at numbers, Aaron Nola has been the most valuable player on the Phillies by far. And... Mm -hmm. I, I want to see him and Max Scherzer go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. 
I want to see the best pitcher on the Phillies face the best the National League has to offer. And I mean, that's where the rubber hits the road. I love it. Yeah. It helps when Gabe Kapler's not pulling him after, what was it, five innings in his first start? Uh, that was really frustrating. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's certainly going to be something. I, I don't know if you could give Nola the edge over Scherzer for the Cy Young just yet, but there's still, what, a month and a half to go. If Scherzer has a few down starts, Nola keeps pitching lights out, who knows? Yeah, that's how I would see it going. I think Scherzer has, part of it's the history. Uh, and the type of pitcher and personality Scherzer is. I think that that sort of definitely sells him over Nola. Um, and I think his numbers are better. I think that in and of itself is probably most of the reason why he would win. Uh, but if Aaron Nola keeps going on a tear and Scherzer has some questionable starts, which, he, you know, he's a human. He has it every now and then. Um, maybe he'll have one <laughs> soon. Who knows? Uh, but that's sort of how I would see it playing out. Hmm. If, I think if, what, yeah, if that could happen, I would. He's going to get Cy Young votes, and that's just going to be so cool. Yeah, I think it's pretty much locked on the top three: Scherz and Nola and Degrom. It's just a matter of figuring out the right order now. Yeah, and that's it's cool. Like the NL East is just killing it when it comes to pitchers because they know what it takes to beat each other, and it's pitching. Mm. And uh, I think probably one of the main edges that Scherz has over his competition is the strikeouts in his. Only start against Philadelphia, six and a third, five hits, one run, 15 strikeouts, though, which uh, definitely grabs the eye. How do you see this matchup going, then? I I see it going to Nola because I can't see it going any other way. It's Aaron Nola. He has been an absolute rock, uh, and I don't believe he'll disappoint. It's a matter of whether or not the Phillies could back him up, but if we're just looking straight on pitching, I predict Aaron Nola all the way. I wouldn't be surprised if it was nothing, nothing heading into like the eighth inning and then the, it's a bullpen off, which neither uh, thing seems to be good at, at the moment. <laughs> to be honest, that's how I would want it. That's probably the ideal way for it to go because that way neither Scherzer or Nola really have to shoulder the loss. They brought their team as far, their teams as far as they could. <laughs> they did everything they could and they, they did every, they did the best. And now it's just up to <laughs> which bullpen sucks less. <laughs> I think that's a good way to describe it. Um, I think for the first time this season, I'm going to predict a loss in the Max Scherzer start just because of the way it's going and the lack of the complete lack of bullpen. If they had Doolittle, Herrera, and Madsen all fully healthy, I probably would go with the Nationals. But you know, first time this year, I'll go against Scherzer and pick Nola just because he's pitching so well lately. I'm so glad to hear you jump on board. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell anybody, but I'm so glad. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like people are going to listen to this podcast. I know, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's the first series loss I've predicted in a while as well. Yeah, I definitely don't don't want to publish this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to I say thanks to Liz for joining me today. And uh, where can our listeners find you and your work? Uh, you can find me uh, every day, every uh, four days a week uh, at Yahoo Sports. I publish on baseball, football, college football, soccer i wrote something about mma today i write about pretty much everything and you could find me the rest of the time at yeah uh no at the good fight writing about the phillies uh, and you could find me on twitter at liz rocher r-o-s-c-h-e-r perfect thanks liz thank you for having me on so i want to say thanks again to liz for joining me today on the podcast it was uh definitely a lot of fun to have her on very bubbly and uh 
it's going to be a fantastic series against the Phillies, even if uh, in terms of the Nats' playoff hopes, there may not be a huge amount. You've got some fantastic matchups. We get to see Steven Strasburg again. Max Scherzer, Aaron Nola is going to be phenomenal on Thursday. Uh, definitely chalk that one up for 10-9. That's how these pitchers' duels seem to go. Remember to check out some of our content on site this week. I took a look at Matt Adams' struggles of late and how he's chasing up in the zone, inducing him, well, inducing himself into some soft contact and that low batting average. I think it was 0-6-1 in August. And I also wrote about how the Dusty Baker narrative looming over the team should end. There, it was a mistake to fire him or let him go, but there's no point constantly comparing David Martinez to Dusty Baker. You need to judge Davey Martinez for himself. Obviously, it hasn't been fantastic this year, but it does no good looking back at Dusty Baker and going, oh, he's not doing this. Dusty would have done this. That's not going to benefit anyone. If you're going to do that for everyone down the road, then you're going to end up with a lot of firings at the end of the year because Dusty was a fantastic regular season manager, albeit the postseason uh, was a bit iffy. But if you start comparing everyone to him, it's not going to go um, it's not going to be as you think. Remember to follow us on Twitter at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and Stitcher, where you can get episodes automatically downloaded, ready for you to listen to. The podcast will be back on Thursday as we look ahead to a series with the New York Mets. Hopefully, we can put 25 runs on them again without a bullpen, uh, bullpen arm throwing their glove down in disgust. So, we'll see you then. <laughs>